You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I did this once before. I was planning on doing it more regularly, but, you know, time and whatnot. This is essentially a throwback to 365 days ago. Um, Again, I just thought this would be kind of fun to do to kind of see what the landscape looked like this time last year. On this episode, essentially what I was doing is breaking down the upcoming game against the L.A. Rams. Obviously, things were a little bit bleak. Um, One of the things that I actually thought was really, really cool that I kind of forgot about is how good everybody was last year. In other words, I had said multiple times last year how if you're going to have a bad year, this is a great year to have a bad year. And conversely, this is a really bad year to make a run for a Super Bowl. So, for for example, the Chicago Bears, really bad timing. And you'll hear a little bit of that. Um, At one point I referenced how I think there were like eight elite quarterbacks in the NFL up to that point. Up to this point right now, I think there's three. Right now, there is one team that's graded as elite, is the New England Patriots, with the Minnesota Vikings very closely behind. We can might as well just call them elite. Last year, by the end of the year, which is actually harder to do, 11 teams graded as elite. 11. So it's a different landscape, no question about it. And there's no shame in being the best team in a bad year. But anyways, um, again, if you're interested in it, listen to it. If you're not, just let it pass you by. Uh, Because it's kind of hard to insert ad breaks in the middle of me talking last year, we're going to do one break. It's going to be one longer break, and then I'm just going to let it run. And again, this is kind of, it makes me nervous because obviously I say a lot of dumb stuff that doesn't end up coming true. Sometimes I hit on some stuff, but I just think it's interesting. And it's fun to listen to what the tone and tenor was, how the excitement level was, and where the depression level is, and all that kind of stuff. So going to try to do this more regularly if I can find time. But um, as always, iTunes. Need three more to get to 270, and the closer we get to that, where there's going to be a giveaway at 300, I can tell you that. Instagram, we crossed we crossed the 400 mark, so we got to keep on marching up to 500, and we'll be doing a jersey giveaway. And we're only like eight-ish away, I think, in the Facebook group to get into 500. So make sure you get in the Facebook group. Otherwise, let's take our break, and uh, we'll just again, we're just going to let this episode ride out. This episode today is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports news network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. It's sports coverage that's always on and always free, always. Something that I don't highlight quite as much because I like what I like, but it's very sports-centric and it seems self-explanatory, but as you probably know, that's not. There's a lot of frills and nonsense that go on in sports media. This is 100% clips of just sports talk, highlights, betting advice, etc., etc., You know when you turn on CBS Sports HQ that you're going to see the tips and trends that you need to win your bets, the things that you need to know to stay up to date on the latest news. Obviously, you get your breaking news stuff on Twitter and whatnot, but then you can turn to CBS Sports HQ to get all the analysis that you need there. Don't forget, this is completely free, not for a week or for a month or whatever. You don't even need to log in. Just download it and start playing. You can use your your phone, Apple TV, Roku Fire TV, all that stuff, anything connected to get onto CBS Sports HQ. No fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. And after watching CBS Sports HQ, 
and getting all the latest news and advice, where are you going to take that information? You should probably take it over to my bookie. It's funny because if you were listening earlier today, I told you these things continue to move. And I told you I was surprised that it's still a four-point favorite for the, the Green Bay Packers. I thought that that would have moved up. It just did. And I just literally recorded that about an hour ago. It's now currently up to four and a half. I would not be super surprised if it moves to five by the time it's all said and done. Also, the over-under is still sitting at 47 and a half. So do with that information what you will. Also, the Patriots game has moved. That is now a 13-point favorite. That was 12 and a half, 12-ish, something like that, last time I recorded this. And the bank, the Rams, I think I don't think anybody was over 12 and a half. The Rams are now 13-point favorites. So we're, we're getting into kind of goofy territory. That's, that's pretty unlikely. But I'm sure you know what you're doing. But if you, even if you're not into spreads and totals, you got the prop bets, which should be coming out relatively soon. You've got the season-long bets with the NFC North Division titles, the Super Bowl championship titles. Even if it's not Packers, that's fine. You don't have to bet on the Packers. If you got this weird inside feeling that the Seahawks are going to go all the way, you put a little bit of money on that, there's a lot to be won there. So again, take all the information you have, and just remember when you sign up at mybookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME. They're going to match your first deposit. Now, it's just your first deposit, so if you want to try it, that's cool, but if you only put in 5 bucks, you're only going to get 5 bucks back. And, you know, I don't know about you, I like to maximize as much free money as I can get. So I, I, whatever, it's your thing to figure out. But again, that's promo code OVERTIME. New users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. And finally, if, if putting money down on the team isn't your way of doing things, but you still want to support the team, what better way to do it than to grab some tickets and go cheer for them? I love sitting on my couch in the warmth and comfort with a plate of tacos as much as the next guy. But there is something deeply satisfying being out there cheering and screaming for the team. If you're thinking about doing it, just remember Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all on the Vivid Seats mobile app. To make it even better, Vivid Seats has the loyalty program that I've told you about. You can earn credit back with the Vivid Seats rewards. So just go over to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program. And yes, every single purchase is guaranteed by 100% buyer back guarantees. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats reward loyalty program today. And when it comes time to buy those tickets, remember, you got to enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount up to $100. So today is breaking down the L.A. Rams. It's going to be a very unfortunate day because they're very good at a lot of things. And even the areas where they're not good, they're not horrible. So, um... That's pretty much the uh, the overview. I did receive quite a bit of feedback yesterday. Pretty much everybody saying, you know, I'd prefer you stay with the hour. And I do appreciate that. I appreciate the feedback. It's also nice to hear that so many people would like to hear me blab on for an hour. So that's pretty cool. But um, I am going to stick with it just probably... I'm not sure how long. I'm going to do it today. I... I Anytime I say things, I never stick to it. So I'm just going to say today we're going to try to keep it as short as possible. Um, not as possible. I mean, you know, try to stick to the, to the at least half hour mark. Just so I can get a gauge of things, you know, if things go up, go down, go whatever. Um, because, you know, everybody is going to say it should not be an hour long. That's too, too long. Some people are going to tune you out because of it. At the same time, when the, you got to give the people what they want. People want an hour. People just want me, man. People just want me. And it warms my heart. So the first thing I want to start with, and um, this is one area where we have a distinct advantage, is the injury report. 
Um, the Rams have been going nonstop since week one. They're coming off a three-road game grind. Packers have got a, uh, a bye week, so completely healthy thus far. Hopefully it stays that way. But as far as the Rams are concerned, and Dominican Sue did not practice Wednesday but was full on Thursday. He should be good to go. Michael Brockers along the defensive line, also another good defensive lineman, did not practice Wednesday, was limited Thursday. means he'll probably play. If I had to take a guess anytime, you you know, limited is already kind of in the, yeah, he's probably going to play territory. But to go from did not practice to limited, it's kind of heading in the right direction. Um, Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan, the offensive lineman, uh, did not practice. However, it says not injury-related. So I'm thinking they're going to be fine. The only other two are uh, Trayvon Young and Cooper Cup. Young is uh, pretty relevant because he doesn't seem to be playing all that much. And Cooper Cup. So lots of injuries in the injury report. However, as far as who's going to play and who's not going to play, it pretty much seems like Cooper Cup is the only one that might not play, which we're not getting into game planning today. However, I would say that that is actually pretty significant, to be completely honest. This offense... Um, very, very hard to stop. I mean, I, it's just one of those things where, and, and that's really what makes them so good is because they're talented across the board, whether it's extremely good in certain areas or just good enough in other areas, it's the fact that when you have talent just everywhere, you become a matchup issue. And then when you have elite talent, it's kind of like you have to focus on something. Obviously, the Packers are focusing on the running back, which makes sense. But it becomes a big problem because, yeah, but what about these wide receivers that are also really good? What about this quarterback that's also really good, right? It's it's problematic. But if with Cooper Cup out, it takes out one of those guys, and then it becomes an issue with um, our corners against theirs. And I, I just, just when I was peeking at it, I kind of like the matchup ability that we have with just two as opposed to three. But we'll get to that tomorrow. So first off, I want to start with Mr. Cooper Cup. Or I'm sorry, nope, Jared Goff. That's what it is. I had heard yesterday, I believe, believe it was Bill Michaels, and he had uh, somebody from Los Angeles, and um, Bill Michaels made the comment, it's probably not fair to call your quarterback a game manager, but, you know, can you elaborate on that? And the guy said, yeah, well, to be honest, I think he is a bit of a game manager. I'm going to disagree with the guy who, <laughs> I think he was like LA Times beat writer, so it's hard to kind of disagree with him, but at the same time, it's not. If we take a quick gander, and, and granted, it's easy to be a good quarterback when everybody around you is pretty good, right? You've got a lot of protection. You've got really good wide receivers. You've got a really good running back. You've got a good coach that schemes people open. It makes you look pretty good. So maybe that's where we're kind of having a difference of opinion. But I'm just looking at pro football focus here. There are currently seven quarterbacks, which is a lot, that are graded as elite. That's 2018 right now. That is, that's what we're seeing, just teams that are or quarterbacks that are just playing out of their mind. Aaron Rodgers is one of them, by the way, which, to be completely honest, I'm a little surprised by. Probably just because I'm a little spoiled and I, you know, I know he's not playing as well as he should. Whatever. Not talking about Rodgers today. Point is, Jared Goff is above Rodgers. He's not quite where Mahomes is. He's not quite where Breeze is. He's beneath Ryan Fitzpatrick, which sounds ridiculous because obviously he's not the quarterback anymore. But just imagine week one, week two, Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's kind of what's weighing down his or weighing up his grade, I guess, if that was a thing, but it's not. So he's sandwiched between Ryan Fitzpatrick week one and two, which was just out of his mind, and Aaron Rodgers. That's where Jared Goff is, above Rodgers, above Rivers, above Tom Brady. So... If we're coming into this with the false hope that, well, we don't really have to worry about the quarterback, he's not that good, 
that's not the case. I'm sorry. It's all bad news. That's not all bad. Well, <laughs> here's the next thing. It's good news. Kind of, kind of a good news, bad news kind of situation. So, good news. When he's under pressure, he has a completion percentage of 52%. He has thrown for 400 yards, 8.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He is terrible under pressure. He's really bad. The bad news of that would probably be the fact that they have a pretty good offensive line and we've had some problem bringing pressure. And that's not even entirely true. But here's the thing, I mean, because I know as soon as I say that, well, actually, if you look at the numbers, Packers are doing pretty good bringing pressure. Here, here's my issue. And again, not doing game plan today, but just something to think about. A lot of the times when we bring pressure, it's creative pressure, meaning it's not coming from Clay Matthews and Nick Perry and Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark where it's supposed to come from, right? These guys are coming. They're obviously coming. Everybody knows they're coming. It's coming from Jair. It's coming from, from Tremont. It's coming from, you know, our corners, our linebackers, our safeties, whatever. That's a lot easier to do when you don't have to mind your P's and Q's and really focus on the talent they have. And we've seen this. We've seen this exact same thing when we go up against somebody who's really, you know, we go up against the Lions. Lions have really good wide receivers. We really are having a hard time saying, you know what, let's take a corner off this guy and go get the quarterback. Becomes problematic. Do you really want to rush a linebacker when you got, you know, Gurley running out of the backfield? Shouldn't we be focused on him a little bit? So the the pressure on Pettin to just stop them from destroying us or gashing us is probably going to be at the forefront of his mind more so than, hey, let's try to bring pressure. Because if you bring pressure and it doesn't get there, you're toast. And here's the the, the bad news on top of the bad news. Here's his stats with no pressure. 74.4 completion percentage, 1,729 yards, 10.1 yards per attempt, 12 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. The guy is just unstoppable when there's no pressure. So getting pressure, you know, I, I think it's one of those things for Mike Pettin. Again, I, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. They have to get pressure, right? They, I mean, it's, it's just it's one of those things where you're, you're meant to lose this game. You're supposed to lose this game. On paper, you're not good enough. You've got to find a way to win. This is what you have to do. If you're just playing not to lose, we're going to lose. It's kind of like that whole we're not playing to tie mentality. you, you got to go all in because it's, you know, whatever. I mentioned the offensive line. We're going to pivot there real quick. This is, this is an offensive line that's talented not just in pass blocking but also in run blocking. I've mentioned it's pretty standard across the league to be pretty good pass blockers but just abysmal run blockers because nobody cares about that in the NFL these days. They can do both. They're better pass blockers than run blockers, obviously, but it's just still they can do it. So as far as pass blocking, Andrew Whitworth starting left to right, their left tackle, very, very good. Um, He's not quite Bakhtiari, but he's right there. And if you look at his, he's a better run blocker than Bakhtiari. He's not quite as good of a pass blocker. So as far as being well-rounded, Whitworth kind of has the edge there, but either way, no question this guy's very, very good. And if we're looking at Nick Perry saying, hey, come on, man, you got to do something, I just, you can't really expect much out of him. Actually, to be completely honest, as a pass blocker, to kind of take it down a notch, I'll, I'll compare him with the Packers offensive lineman to give you an idea of where they're at. He's actually a lot closer to Corey Lindsley, which maybe you didn't realize how good Corey Lindsley is, so this probably isn't fair to Whitworth. <laughs> Corey Lindsley's playing out of his mind, but he is more of, of in Corey Lindsley's range than he is in Bakhtiari's range. 
as a run blocker, there's no one to compare to because they have six offensive linemen that can run block better than any of our offensive linemen because we just don't have anyone that can run block on this entire team, which I know people say doesn't matter, but let me let me just say this right quick. Um, I genuinely believe if we focused on the run and had an offensive line that was even halfway decent at run blocking, I think Aaron Jones could be a top three running back in the NFL. It's it's a tough sell when you start talking about guys like Gurley, but you look at what he's able to do with what he has. He he's he's not even given opportunities because Mike McCarthy's looking at it like we're not even trying to run. Like your job is is three three yards and down. That's it. Like we're just trying to set up play action. We're trying to make sure that they keep guys in the box if possible, but they won't because we got Aaron Rodgers. Right? You you're you're kind of just a decoy. You know, like ooh, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? You never know, man. But he's actually doing really really well. Right, the only other guy that was doing anywhere near as well as Aaron Jones is was uh what is his name out of San Francisco? I don't remember, but again, San Francisco, that's what they hammer on over and over and over and over. Run, 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 run. Right? Offensive line, run block. Running backs, run, 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 run. This is what we practice, it's what we rehearse. We do it over and over and over and over and over. Boy oh boy, would it be nice. If we put a little bit of effort into that. I don't even know that we need to revamp the offensive line. I think the talent of the offensive line in run blocking is reflected in what we practice. We have the number one pass blocking offensive line. Why? Why do we consistently have the number one? Because that's our emphasis. You get what you ask for. Unless you just aren't capable of it. But you, I mean, you're going to get better at what you practice. I don't know. Don't I don't have time to go on my soapbox about that. But, you know kind of nice would be not the worst thing anyways where was i left guard now roger saffold actually their best run blocker again i can't compare him to anybody but he's he's very very good um as a pass blocker and this is where the packers kind of got these guys whooped because he's kind of in the jimmy graham territory (laughs) listen that's not a knock on saffold i'm telling you jimmy graham has been doing pretty good um, as far as offensive linemen, the closest I can come to is Lane Taylor. He's somewhere between Byron Bell and Lane Taylor. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say he's bad because from our standpoint, it's like, you know, those guys are not good. This guy's terrible. However, our guys can pass block. Byron Bell is a good pass blocker. It's why he won the job over McCray. McCray is our worst pass blocking offensive lineman. He's our best run blocking offensive lineman. Packers don't care about that. McCray lost the job. Bell is a horrific run blocker. Packers don't care. He can pass block. But yeah, as far as context, we'll actually say that their left guard is actually pretty similar to our left guard, except their left guard. Um, Not quite as good of a pass blocker. Infinitely better as a run blocker. Their center is pretty similar uh, as far as pass blocking grade. The only difference is he uh, run blocks like a Packer. So his overall grade is actually pretty low. Because <laughs> when you pass block like one of our least good pass blockers, but you run block like, you know, like one of our worst run blockers. Um, so he, he's, he's okay. He, he's going to, the problem is, again, getting pressure, right? He's going to give us a hard time. Now, is this guy so good that he's going to stop Kenny Clark? No. Kenny Clark is going to dominate whoever's in front of him. Hopefully Mike Daniels kind of figures out whatever his issue has been at the beginning of the year because he's not playing up to his standard. If we can get that guy back playing and rolling, we'll be in really good shape here because he can dominate these guys too. Again, these aren't elite football players, 
Roger Saffold and John Sullivan are very beatable offensive linemen. They're good. They're good enough that if you just have mediocre players, you might be in trouble. But if you've got some real damaging disruptors like we do have in Kenny Clark, like we have had in Mike Daniels, like we know we can have if he can get his game going here, um, we'll be in good shape. Austin Blythe, I mean, this is just a case of everything coming together for this team. Austin Blythe, their right guard, has been pretty, I mean, his rookie year, he was abysmal. His uh, sophomore year, he was just kind of mediocre, and of course now he just took that third step. I mean, it's just everything's just coming together for the Rams, man. They don't have injuries, which is consistent with their team. Their players continue to get better and better. It's just, it's unfortunate. He is their second best pass blocker, a decent run blocker. He's in the, again, he's in the Corey Lindsley, yeah, Corey Lindsley range of pass blocking. So that's going to be tough. The, The only good news there is that we've got Dean Lowry on that side, and Dean Lowry's actually... He's exceeding expectations. Now, he's very similar in terms of just straight-up grade to Mike Daniels. He's actually higher than Mike Daniels. But the fact that he stepped up in the way that he has means we have Kenny Clark, who is one of the best defensive tackles in football right now. Then we have Mike Daniels, who is underperforming, whose you know, ceiling is much higher. And then we have Dean Lowry, who's overperforming. And if we can get him to continue doing what he's doing, we got a solid defensive line here. And although Austin Blythe is a tough matchup for him, we got somebody that's not just going to get pushed around, right? Especially since he's sort of just a, a third down kind of deal. Well, that's not actually not true. I usually refer to him as a third down guy because he's a pass rushing guy, but that doesn't make sense because he's only in there when we got three defensive linemen. We only have three defensive linemen typically in base, and we don't have base on third down. So whatever, unless it's third and short, obviously. Finally, right tackle Rob Havenstein. He is actually their worst pass-blocking lineman um, qu- by quite a bit. He's he's he is in that Lane Taylor range. I was trying to I was having a hard time because the other guys were kind of sandwiched in between. Byron Bell is a 77, Lane Taylor is a 72, and those other guys are like 75. So it's like I don't know. He's in there somewhere. He is down into the Lane Taylor range. Biggest issue is this guy is a dominant. Him and him and Saffold are just dominant run blockers. And Andrew Whitworth, the the two tackles and the left guard are very, very, very good run blockers. And that's not good, especially since they're very good at getting to the outside with Gurley, running you know jet sweeps and all this stuff. They like to go to the outside, but at the same time, Gurley's a big bruising guy. So it's, I mean, just just the stuff that they can do is incredible. And here's something else we need to consider. It's a lot easier to be creative when you have this many, this much talent in so many places, right? A lot of the stuff, if we just took their playbook and tried to run it, would just get blown up instantly. It's a lot easier when you have tackles that can run block like they can run block. It's a lot easier when you have a guy like Gurley that is not only incredibly fast, but he's incredibly strong and he's a good receiver, which I think is sort of a new addition because, I, well, back when they had a coach that was not too bright... I remember they didn't throw to him very much. That's not so much the case anymore. But he, he's a versatile piece that can do a lot of stuff, and they have a lot of very fast wide receivers that can get around to the outside and do all this kind of stuff. And then while they're trying to do all these different tricky things, they got offensive linemen that can block for quite a while. And, they, you know, it's just so many pieces and so many guys that can do so many different things. That's kind of where they can get you. Uh, moving on to the run game, looking at Todd Gurley. Now, his grade actually isn't all that high. There's a lot of things that can go into that. So first of all, his numbers, 144 attempts, 686 uh, yards, 4.8 yards per attempt, which is a very good number, 11 touchdowns, 3.07 yards after contact on average, only one fumble. So those those are pretty decent yards, obviously. Very unlikely at 686, he's not going to crack 1,000. But there's a, again, there's a lot of things that go into this. So first of all, 
the numbers are a breakdown of, of different things. There's the scheme, there's the offensive line, and then there's the running back making stuff happen. And, and when they're grading these things, one of the things you have to watch is, for example, there's a difference between making something happen, good, making good decisions, and just things being very easy for you because you have a really good offensive line, or making the wrong decision and getting five when you could have gone made the right decision and got 19. There's also blocking. Um, not that it usually matters, but he's, he's a pretty terrible run blocker, and he's barely mediocre as a pass blocker. He also has a pretty terrible grade as a receiver. Now, they again, they do utilize him, and they need to because he's very good in space. It's just not what he's built to do. The guy's got three drops. It's the highest on the entire team. Um, he's also got a fumble mix in there. So, it's it's again, it's not really his forte. He's more of a north and south, you know, just, just smash you in the mouth kind of football player. But on this team, they're going to make you do other stuff, and it works to their advantage, right? You take those couple drops, and you take those kind of mishaps here and again, because when it works, which is 95% of the time, you've now got Gurley out in space, and he's just going to dominate you. So again, I know when I say that his grade isn't that great, and it's fine. It's it's well above average. It's We'll, we'll even call it good, but it's not as elite as you would think, because he's not as well-rounded of a player, and he also has a lot of good pieces around him. And he's also the kind of player that's so athletic that even if you're making the wrong decision, you can probably make a lot out of it, right? If, if this guy's making the wrong decision, his athleticism plus the offensive line means it's going to work either way. So, um, you know, when the Packers say that their focus is on him, it makes a lot of sense because he can do so much and hurt you in so many different ways. I guess my main point is there's something to work with here. And if you're playing good, solid, fundamental football, I think you can control this. Looking at the receiving game, it's actually going to surprise a lot of people. Everybody knows Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup. Uh, those are number two and number three, respectively. Their number one wide receiver is actually Robert Woods. He's got the most targets. He's got the most receptions. He's got the most yards. He's got the most touchdowns. Um, his grade is, is off the charts. He's bordering on elite. And he's just really just a good, solid football player. He's been in the league for quite a while. I think he was drafted, let's see, 2013 he was drafted in the second round. But he's just, I mean, he's hes six foot, he's 201, he ran ran a 4.51. So he doesn't have super speed, he's not super tall, he's not super, you know, gigantic, he doesn't have massive hands, he doesn't have super long arms, he's just a good football player. Which is nice, because in my mind, this is a Tremont matchup. Now, is Tremont up to his standard? Not really, but I'm just looking for a guy that's, you know, I don't need super athleticism, I don't need super height, I just need a guy that is a veteran, that is intelligent, that can just hang with him. So, not getting super in-depth, but just off the top of my head, I don't hate that matchup. Not going to be easy, but I'm okay with that. Next is Brandon Cooks, and uh, this is a very different story. He's a very good wide receiver, which is exactly what his grade is. He's just nudged up into the good category. Same as Cooper Cup, who's probably not playing. Cooks, uh, 78% reception percentage, 569 yards, two touchdowns, 17.8 yards per reception, which not surprisingly is is uh, where he dominates because he's the speed guy. He's also going to be the deep guy. 160 yards after the catch isn't that much because, again, he's not the big, strong, get-out-of-my-way wide receiver. He's just the, I'm going to go deep, catch it, and then you tackle me right away. Now, Cooks is 5'10", 189, smaller guy, but he ran a 4.33, super fast. Now, this is where it gets interesting because he's usually, I shouldn't say usually, so he's hes one of those guys that's in the slot in three wide receiver sets, and he's on the outside in two wide receiver sets. Now, when he's in the slot, he's against Jair, and obviously that's a great matchup for us. Not great as in, yeah, Jair's going to lock him down, but this is why we have Jair. 
Because in, in years past, what do you do with a guy like this? He's so fast. He's so quick. He's so elusive. He's so talented. What are you supposed to Jair, that's exactly why he's here. Jair is fast. Jair is quick. Jair is a really good physical, fast cornerback. This is a perfect matchup. Here's my dilemma. When he goes to the outside, do we allow Jair to follow him? In my opinion, absolutely. Again, we're not going to game plan for this quite yet. It's not even a question for me. If it's too wide, I'm not putting him on the bench and putting Kevin King out there on him. I'm just not. Yes, Kevin King is fast. I don't care. Jair's going to follow him. And I know the Packers don't usually shadow. Uh, I'm going to. (laughs) I just want Jair on him all day. I think Cooks is going to have his, his spots and all this. I, I, I don't care. I think Jair might be our best cornerback. If not, he's, he's not far from the top. I really like him. I'm really impressed by him. And I think it's, it's a confidence position. He has a lot of it. He's earned a lot of it. You want to talk about a confidence boost? In a game like this, you go up against a guy that is as good as Brandon Cooks, and you say, you know what? This is the guy we need to focus on, and I want you to be the guy. Wherever he goes, you go. And you just lock him down all day. That's confidence. From our defensive coordinator to look him in the eyes and say, he's yours, you shut him down. Now, I'm 95% sure that's not what's going to happen, but that, I'm just telling you that's what I would do. Because, again, the Packers don't shadow cover. They don't do that. There might be a majority of the time based on where they typically line up and where we typically line up, but um, shadow coverage, as I've said several times, is a very rare thing, and the Packers don't do it because they don't have a lockdown corner. The only guys that shadow cover are guys that have lockdown corners and they want to shut out a number one wide receiver, right? I've got Patrick Peterson. You've got Julio Jones. Patrick Peterson is going to follow Julio Jones everywhere he goes, including into the slot. That's shadow coverage. Their number four wide receiver, who I hope we see because Cooper Cup is hopefully going to be out, but I don't know that, is Mr. Josh Reynolds. And fortunately for us, he is not good at all. What he is, however, is six foot three. He's not fast. He's four five two. Um... You know, 194, he's pretty light. He's, he's a tall and lanky guy. He hasn't done very much so far. He was drafted in 2017, so he's still relatively young. This is his second year, not getting a ton of time. But, um, I mean, it's it just, it's got to be Kevin King, right? Like, the only thing you got going for you is height and jump balls. Okay, that's Kevin King. Yep. <laughs> that's all day. And you're not even really that fast. I think that's Kevin King, and I think he shuts him down. It's not even a problem. According to a little note that I see here when he was drafted, he's a quote-unquote vertical threat. Considering his speed, the only reason he's a vertical threat is because of his height. And again, that is absolutely perfect for Kevin King. Please just run down the field and try to throw it over Kevin King. I would love that. Any day of the... I don't think I've ever seen it. I really don't. I've been pounding this over and over and over again, making this declaration, just waiting for a team to prove me wrong because I know it's coming one of these days. Someone's going to throw right over Kevin King's head. I've never seen it. And if I have, I just missed it. I was sleeping. I blinked. I don't know what happened. I've said since he came out of college, that's the one thing you will not do on Kevin King, and he's stood stood strong with that ever since we've drafted him. I'm not saying he's never gotten beat on a route, but I've never seen someone just play big man football and go over Kevin King's head. Their tight ends, fortunately for us, this is this is one of the areas, and they have several areas on defense where things are just not great for them. Tight end is one of those areas. They have uh, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. Neither of these guys is all that great. They've got 22 targets between the two of them for the year. 14 total receptions between the two of them. So they're really not that big of a threat, which is nice, because although we'll have to account for them in some capacity, not having to focus on a tight end, which, by the way, if the Rams, regardless of what happens to the Rams, getting a, a, 
a solid receiving tight end this year is just going to really push this thing over the edge because they're already a matchup nightmare. You give you put a tight end on this team, aye, aye, aye. But that's going to help us out a little bit. That's going to kind of open things up a little bit for us. Right, our linebackers can focus on Gurley a little more. Our corners can focus on the wide receivers. It just kind of takes a little bit of that pressure off. Um, it's, a ni- it's a nice nice feature. Flipping over to the defense quickly. Not surprisingly, Aaron Donald is the guy that everybody needs to worry about. Um, just one of the best defensive players in football, period. It's one of the reasons why, you know, it used to just be edge rusher and tackle. That's all anybody cares about. And now everyone's realizing, well, lockdown corner is super important. What I've been saying now for two years is defensive tackle and guard are becoming much more important. Not just because what I've been saying the last couple days where if you have good run stoppers, you can play in nickel a lot more and all that stuff. I'm talking about pass rushing defensive linemen. Everything is, is action and reaction. You do this, I do that. Right, everybody's been focusing so much on tackles. What's happened to guards in the NFL? They're just not that good anymore. So you got guys that are forward thinking, getting guys like Aaron Donald. They're just tearing up the league, and nobody can stop them because there's no guards in the NFL. So what's the next thing that's going to increase in value? Guards right now, even top-tier guards, aside from, obviously, we had one that went very high last year because he's a freak. I think the value of guards and the value of de- defensive tackles are going to go up. Fortunately for all of us, a lot of defensive tackles in this class. I don't think they're going to fall because of their position. It's why I've been saying I want the Packers to get a defensive tackle. It's not because I'm talking about the run. I'm not talking about, you know, B.J. Raji here. I'm talking about Aaron Donald. He, I mean, he's, he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. He's a defensive tackle. we got to change our way of thinking here. It's not pass rusher equals outside linebacker and, and defensive tackle equals run stuffer. It's a different era. Aaron Donald can do both, by the way, which is just incredible. One of the best run stoppers in the NFL, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, one of the best, if not the best, defensive players in the NFL consistently. He's just an absolute freak. Um, after that, just a massive drop-off. Massive drop-off. Now, still good, but, I mean, not even close. But you got Ndamukong Sue right after that. Ndamukong Sue, obviously, we know is a pretty good, um, he's a good football player well-rounded with his, uh, you know, run defense, tackling, pass rush. It's all pretty close. He's more of a run defender than anything, but he can do it all. Um, his grade right now is a little bit less than HaHa Clinton Dix, so still a very good football player. Basically tied with him is linebacker Bryce Hager. The other guy that would be in the good category is John Johnson the third. their safety. That would be their strong safety. So somewhat of a good news, bad news thing here. Sue and Donald are very, very good football players. It's going to be so hard not to do talking about game plan right now. I wish I just had the day off. I would just stop this and then record the next one because it's all fresh in my mind. Outside of Sue and Donald, this is a very beatable football team, and it's why they've been getting beat consistently. They don't really have anyone off the edge. Now, again, that doesn't mean they don't have a pass rush because they got it here in Sue and Donald. Michael Brockers is serviceable. Michael Brockers is basically, um, he's Dean Lowry. Pretty similar situation to Dean Lowry. So in their, in their base, they've got Sue, Donald, and Brockers, and then they have Ibukam and Longakree. I don't know how you say their names. I really don't, and I'm not going to look it up because I don't care that much. They're not very good. In their base, Ibukam comes down and is a defensive end, and then they have this guy, Franklin Myers, John Franklin Myers, as the other defensive end. Again, not good. Their linebackers are not that good. Their corners, not that good. They've got Marcus Peters on their team. Marcus Peters has been playing like garbage. I know I said they have a linebacker that's good, Bryce Hager. Um, He's only good because his coverage is out of this world. As an actual linebacker linebacker, he's a disgrace as a football player. 
Baron, Littleton, and Christian are the three linebackers, depending on whether they're in nickel or base. All three of them are pretty terrible. They're free safety. Not good at all. They've got a really good strong safety. They've got a good defensive line in Donald and Sue. Nobody else is really that scary. The Chicago Bears, who we beat, have a much better defense. The Minnesota Vikings have a much better defense. I think the Washington Redskins might have a better defense. Now, based on how they've been playing, yes, they're ranked as like the number two defense behind the Chicago Bears. Very efficient, very talented, but I'm just telling you on paper what we're dealing with here. This is one of the easier defenses we've gone up against all year. Their corners are trash. Their linebackers are garbage. I, this is, and I'm, again, not getting into game planning, but if you can mitigate their two defensive tackles, this is an opportunity here. The, the Packers can win this game. There's no question about it. The, the very difficult thing is stopping the other team's offense, and I really think this game is going to be on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. I really do. As much as I've said, we need to get away from that. Guys need to man up. They need to step up and realize everything can't be Aaron Rodgers. I need to be an individual. I need to step up and play, play me. This game is going to be on Aaron Rodgers because this is going to be old school like Packers-Falcons where it's first team that doesn't score loses. The Packers, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers especially, they need to be able to make this work. I'm not talking about figure it out in the second half. I'm talking about the first drive, you come out and you drive down the field and you score. There's no reason. They don't have a single corner on this team that can stop Devontae. Not a single one. I mean, I don't, I don't think Devontae's found a corner that can stop him, but this is one of the easiest matchups he's going to have. Randall Cobb, when he comes back, too easy. I mean, I, I know people are going to say that's not true. Look how good they're... De- I understand their defense has done well, but you tell me. Find the name. I'm telling you, Marcus Peters, I know he has a big name. He's been terrible this year. Tell me a name of somebody that's going to stop one of our wide receivers. And yeah, I'm, I'm as concerned as you are or maybe the word is interested as you are to see who gets playing time. I would love for our rookies to continue to play because they're big-time playmakers, all that stuff. But regardless of who it is, Troy Hill isn't going to stop anybody. Nikel Roby Coleman is a decent cor- a decent slot corner. There's no question about it. If anyone's going to give anyone a hard time, it's Nikel Roby Coleman on, on Randall Cobb. But Hill and Peters can't do anything. And then these linebackers, you're telling me these linebackers are going to stop our, our tight ends? And if they're gonna, here's the thing. Even if they want to drop John Johnson down to cover us, do you know the the safeties we've had to go up against? As good as John Johnson is, he's not Amos. I mean, I, I don't want to go through the list again, but you, you remember the first four weeks of the year saying, "Wow, one of the best safeties in the NFL." Look at that, another one of the best safeties in the NFL. Hey, look, another one of the best. John Johnson isn't even on that. He's 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 not even on the top five of the guys that we've gone up against already this year. But fine, you want to drop him and leave single high safety. You want to leave Joiner. As a single high safety? Really? Now, LaMarcus Joyner, I believe, got himself a massive contract because he here's his trajectory. Two years, he was terrible. 2016, not very good. 2017, one of the best safeties in the NFL, maybe the best safety in the NFL. So what do the Rams do? They did the smart thing. They realized, and I believe he got a contract, maybe not. We better lock this guy up. Well, he's regressed back to 2016 numbers. So he's kind of pulling a Nick Perry on him. Now, that the talent's in there somewhere, but you know what? The talent's in there somewhere with Perry, too. I'm not expecting to see it this year. I don't know if we can expect to see it with, with Joyner all that much. So fine, go ahead and leave single high safety. We got a little something for you. Go ahead and cover, cover, use Johnson and try to cover our tight end, who's still bigger and stronger than you anyways. Go ahead and do that. Got a guy by the name of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. 
he's going to go ahead and say hi to your safety real quick, and I mean real quick. You see what I'm saying? As far as matchups, this is this is not... I don't know exactly what they're doing to be as good and as efficient of a defense. I understand why their offense is so good. It's easy to see. What in the world is this defense doing to be so impressive? Well, let's walk through it really quickly, and then we'll be done. So we'll go game by game here and look at their defense. They went up against the Oakland Raiders in Oakland. Their defense was not good. Against Oakland, their defense was not good. Then they went up against the Arizona Cardinals, one of the probably the worst team in the NFL. Their run defense, meh. Their tackling was not good. Their pass rush was terrible. Their coverage was elite. You know why? It's the Cardinals. That's why. They went up against the Chargers. They were not good. I'm just. I'm not just talking about the score because I say, oh, the Oakland Raiders. Well, they only scored 13 points. I'm just telling you their grade based on how they performed. They did not perform well. Chargers. They didn't do anything well. They were mediocre. Minnesota Vikings. They were able to get a little bit of pass rush. You know why? Because it's the Minnesota Vikings offensive line. That's why. Their run defense wasn't that bad. You want to know why? Because it's the Minnesota Vikings run game and offensive line. That's why. Outside of that, their coverage was terrible. Their tackling was not so good. Their defense overall was barely average. Up against the Seattle Seahawks, they got absolutely carved up. They gave up 31 points. Their defense overall was, was right at the average mark. I mean, right at like 60. Run defense, not good. Tackling, not good. Pass rush, not really that good. Coverage, horrible. Second week in a row. Go up against the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos aren't good. So just to recap here, Oakland Raiders they beat. Oakland Raiders are terrible. Arizona Cardinals they beat. Arizona Cardinals are terrible. Los Angeles Chargers they beat. Chargers are pretty good, but the defense was not good in that game. Gave up 23 points. Went up against the Minnesota Vikings. When the Minnesota Vikings played one of the worst games that their head coach had ever seen on defense, ever. That defense gave up 38, but the, the, Ram, the Rams defense gave up 31. Next week against the Seahawks, Seahawks aren't that good. They gave up 31 points to the Seahawks. Defense did not look good. Then they played the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos aren't good. The only two games that they played against good teams were the Chargers and the Vikings so far. Seahawks, not very good. Broncos, not very good. What did they do well? What did the defense do well against the Broncos? Tackling was decent. I mean, the, the only, let's see, let, let's talk good. Good is 80 and above. So far, um, coverage against the Cardinals, whoop-de-doo. Run defense and pass rush against the Minnesota Vikings offensive line, whoop-de-doo. The only other thing so far against the Denver Broncos, tackling. is the only thing that they were in the good category for. Everything else was below good. Coverage, pass rush, run defense, defense overall, just kind of eh. Then they played the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, I know they put a hurting on us, but it's the 49ers. 49ers are bad. Denver Broncos are bad. Seahawks are not very good. Vikings are good, but they imploded in that game. Vikings were bad. Chargers, I don't know what happened to the Chargers in that game. Chargers are good. They lost. Arizona Cardinals are terrible. Oakland Raiders are terrible. They've really played one good team all year, and that's the Chargers. I'm not even going to say the Vikings, not because the Vikings aren't a good team. The team that stepped onto that field was a joke, just like the Vikings have done several times. I think the Vikings play in the Jets. They looked horrible. Vikings playing the Buffalo Bills have looked horrible. There have been several games the Vikings just didn't show up. This is one of them. Finally, the San Francisco 49ers, the only other time their defensive grade got quote-unquote elite, they were very good against the run. Again, 49ers. I think without Breida. Could be wrong. Actually, that, that might be impressive considering it's the 49ers. Wouldn't that just figure? The, the one time they actually looked really good is, is last week. Their tackling grade was very good and then their coverage was very good. But again, 49ers with C.J. Beathard, 
I know the 49ers put a hurting on us. I get all that. Still, 49ers. So what in this whole thing can we look at and say is really, really impressive about this defense? Why is it that they're doing so well despite not having a whole lot of talent on their defense? They've only been good in pass rush one game. That was against the Minnesota Vikings and their horrific offensive line. They were close against the Denver Broncos, but not so much. Coverage? Horrible. The only two times they were any good against the Cardinals and the 49ers. I'm not worried about that whatsoever. The Minnesota Vikings, who have a good passing offense, absolutely carved them up. I'm just telling you. Just telling you. Very, very beatable defense. This just comes down to, can Mike Pettin and this defense just stop them a couple? They're going to get points. They're going to get a lot of points. Our offense needs to be able to match that and get a lot of points. The question is, is this a good enough? De- this is the whole point. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for since forever. Forget everything else. The biggest question is this. When we get into the playoffs, we know we have an offense that can go tit for tat, right? You score, I score, you score, I score. The question is, like those games against the Falcons, can our defense be a defense that says, maybe once in a while, we'll make you punt? Do we have that defense? I'm not talking shut them down. I'm not talking about, yeah, can you be a team that gets, you know, a a shutout on the, wow, quiet phone, gets a shutout on the Buffalo Bills. I want to know when we go up against these high-powered offenses, Can you just not melt down? Can you force them to kick a couple field goals and maybe punt once or twice? Because if you can do that, and we have Aaron Rodgers, we can win those games, and those are playoff games. This is a playoff game, and it's a winnable game, and we're coming out of a bye. This team needs to realize the importance of this game. I'm assuming I don't have to explain that to anybody. They understand that. But this is, we're getting into the second half of the season. We're getting to the point where you need to be playing playoff football, and this is a playoff football game. we got two of them back-to-back, and it's winnable. Go shock the world. Anyways, that's it. Got it in at 40 40 minutes. And um, anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Tomorrow we are going to do game plan. Uh, I forgot to mention it, but uh, Patreon and the Facebook group and NFL Big Board and Packernet, all that stuff. Links are in the description. I would encourage you to please go check that out. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Have a good Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.